1: Hello and welcome to episode 188 of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today's is, I think, an astonishing story, one that you may well recall in passing, of an arrogant solicitor. (laughs) I know what you're thinking, someone in the legal profession, arrogant, who would have thought it? But it's true. And this person had some incredibly backward views as well. Before we begin, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, especially the new supporters of this exclusive club. That's Brooke Lee, Hannah State, Stephen Allen, David Heaslip, Matthew Terry, Michael Webb and Louise Ross who's increased her support. Thank you all so much, I really appreciate it. On Monday, it's time to video another live recording of the podcast. So to watch, just sign up now at patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. A quick reminder that I'm talking serial killers online with true crime journalist Chris Summers on the 25th of June. Chris was in court for the trials of Steve Wright and the Wests, so it'll be fascinating to hear his insight on these stories and others. Get your tickets today at UKTrueCrime.com I'm delighted that this week's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. All of us would have searched online sometimes for content that we don't want anyone else to know about especially as fans of true crime, right? Yeah, you know it. I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't you do what I do and just use incognito mode to do this? But look, incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why, even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter where you get your internet from, ISPs can legally sell your information to ad companies. ExpressVPN is an app that re your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, to be honest, I don't even realise I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. An ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit my exclusive link expressvpn.com slash UKTC And you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash uktc. Expressvpn.com slash uktc to learn more. So let's set some context to the events we're going to talk about today. The UK number one single was Out of Space by the awesome prodigy, RIP Keith Flint. What a guy. In the US, Whitney was at number one for just under seven years with I Will Always Love You. The Dolly Parson cover, I now know. In Australia, the top album was ACDC Live by Guess the Band. Yeah, ACDC. This was... <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm so childish. This was the month that Bill Clinton was elected President of the United States. The Church of England flirted with dragging itself into the 20th century by approving the ordination of female priests. The film Malcolm X, directed by Spike Lee, starring Denzel Washington and Angela Bassett, was released in the US. And the Queen this month described this year as an Annus Horribilis, due to various scandals damaging the image of the royal family, as well as the Windsor Castle fire. Did you get the month and year? It was November 1992. When we joined the story in November 1992, Angus Diggle was 37 and he still lived with his mum near Manchester in Northwest England. His dad had gone to university and been in the army before teaching at a Christian school in Bolton. Diggle was seen at school as something of a buffoon, I guess. He went to an independent school and told everyone there how he was going to be Prime Minister, but then he became a solicitor specialising in conveyancing. Away from the office, his interests included fine wine and stained glass. Though relatively bright academically, it's fair to say that Diggle's social skills were, well, they were an acquired taste at best. Being kind, I think we can say that he always lacked social grace, and he was known for making embarrassing passes at women, which led to a great deal of awkwardness all round. Unsurprisingly, at 37, Diggle was very sexually inexperienced. In late summer 1992, Angus Diggle got on a train from Manchester back to his home in Bolton with his mum. He started to strike up a conversation with two young women who were sitting opposite him. One of them, 21-year-old Iona Singer, and her friend totally ignored Angus and she held up her magazine right over her face, just making it really clear that she wasn't interested, she didn't want to chat, please just get on with your own life. At this point, Angus started quoting Latin and Shakespeare at the two women. Iona pulled a face at Angus, thinking him swarmy and arrogant, and she was annoyed that he was clearly attempting to belittle her. Angus then asked her thoughts on whether three quarters of humanity should be exterminated due to being complete scum. For some of us, it probably wouldn't mean too much having this annoying man opposite, But the reality of these exchanges can be very upsetting for some people and when the train arrived at the station, Iona ran to her waiting dad, told him all about Angus and they called the police to report him. He was charged and found guilty of interfering with the comfort of passengers on public transport. I've never heard of it before, have you? The fine was £50 and Angus, for this offence, was subsequently sacked from his conveyancing job in the legal department with the North Western Regional Health Authority. Later in the year, Angus was keen to attend a Scottish ball at London's Grosvenor House in Park Lane, Mayfair. He managed to persuade a 25-year-old legal acquaintance to go along with him. It was a fun time, a fun night, celebrating St Andrew's Day. And Angus, although having actually quite poor family connections with Scotland, liked to hint of his Scottish heritage to anyone who would listen. He dollied himself up in full Highland costume and was really looking forward to the evening. He danced and his acquaintance, who was a solicitor working in Edinburgh, danced too. They had fun and both got very drunk on champagne and whisky. They laughed the night away until it was agreed after eight hours that they should finally call it a night. Angus's acquaintance had already arranged overnight accommodation for herself at a flat rented by friends in Earl's Court, not far from the hotel. She had an early train to catch the next morning back to Edinburgh, and she suggested that Angus may as well come along to the friend's rented flat, as she was sure there'd be lots of room, and it seemed to make sense as Angus also had an early train to catch in the morning. She'd found Angus to be good fun and the perfect gentleman at the ball, and she had a great time, she'd really enjoyed herself. The plan was to get up early, have a quick coffee, and head off to their respective work on early trains. However, when they got to the flat, there wasn't as much room as hoped, and they'd have to share their living room together, as his acquaintance's friend and her fiancé had taken the nearby bedroom. The acquaintance made clear that she would be taking the sofa bed, and he was welcome to sleep on the couch in the large room. His acquaintance took off her evening wear, leaving just her knickers on, and Angus also stripped down to his underwear and made himself comfortable on the sofa. Being pretty drunk, Angus's acquaintance quickly fell asleep. The next thing she knew, she awoke to find Angus Diggle in the bed with her, trying to clamber on top of her, wearing frilly white cuffs from his Holland outfit, his glasses, and also sporting a luminous green condom adrenaline kicked in and she threw him from her and he landed on the floor around 5 feet away where still intoxicated he apparently found the matter wildly amusing and was hysterically laughing he then rolled over and passed out angus later said he had realized quite quickly that his acquaintance didn't want to have sex he said he wasn't sure why but maybe it was because she didn't put her arms around him but he said after six or so seconds of trying, he rolled off, hoping it had all sort itself out in the morning. He did not feel he had persisted nor pestered his acquaintance. But the woman, of course, felt very differently and started shouting to raise the alarm to her friends in the flat who quickly woke up and entered the bedroom. They tried to rouse Angus to ask what on earth he was doing and eventually he came round. He seemed to have no idea of the gravity of the situation and told them quite bluntly that they should assist him in getting his clothes back on as a gentleman should never dress himself. He then began to rant about their apparent ordinariness. You people are so boring. It's obvious you've never gone to public school. The acquaintance and her friends called the police who promptly came to the flat. When they questioned Angus Diggle about his actions, he stated, I've been out with her. I spent £200 on her. Why can't I do what I did? The police arrested Diggle and charged him with attempted rape. He told them that he thought she wanted to have sex with him as she'd undressed in front of him. The jury found that no matter what his acquaintance had or hadn't done to apparently lead him on, this should absolutely not be taken as the go-ahead to have sex with her without consent. The jury found him guilty of attempted rape and sentenced him to three years in prison, with the judge at the Old Bailey saying, I've come to the conclusion that your attitude to women leaves a great deal to be desired. Dickel just couldn't believe the sentence, and immediately he instructed his lawyers to make an appeal. Bearing in mind this was 1993, and Date Rape hadn't received much publicity in the UK at this time, various newspapers, including, of course, the Daily Mail, were outraged at Diggle's treatment. One newspaper editor, considered very right wing, actually said, and this is actually a quote, if I'd never forced myself on a woman for sex, I would never have had any. The Daily Mail itself said that women who, I quote, swill alcohol and lurch around with naked abandon, indulge in passionate and provocative foreplay, still think the morning after that they'd the right to say no, besmirch a man's reputation by dragging him through the courts. And a female columnist, Jane Kelly, who wrote for the Daily Mail for 15 years, wrote the following. The case of Diggle seems to be much more fast than force. He was still bespectacled, and his advances appear to have owed more to pantomime than brutal assault. Three years in jail seems an inordinately high price to pay for clumsiness, naivety and a failure to read the signs correctly. There were even questions raised in the House of Lords about Diggle's guilt and sentence. Hearing this now in 2020, these kinds of reactions are pretty hard for us to believe, aren't they? The appeal was granted, his sentence was reduced to two years, but by then he'd started to become the focal talking point of so-called date rape cases, and he became a mini-celebrity in the tabloids. He eventually served one year before being released from Layhill Open Prison in Gloucestershire. But despite serving a sentence for attempted rape, Diggle narrowly avoided being struck off as a solicitor. He was suspended for one year by the Solicitor's Disciplinary Tribunal in London for the seriousness of the incident, with the chairman, Barry Marsh, saying that Diggle had already been punished for his criminal offence and served his debt to society. He also added that Diggle had not practised law for about two years anyway, so a one-year ban was correct. Diggle's representative stated, Angus Diggle hopes to have the opportunity from everybody to put this matter behind him. He would also like to thank members of the press and a great many members of the public who have offered him support. Punishment must be appropriate and not vindictive. If the law society think it's appropriate to give him this chance, then that is a matter for them. He has served his debt to society. But another lawyer told journalists, I'm surprised at this result, because I would have thought he'd either been struck off or not brought before the tribunal at all. The question is whether he was an intended rapist or not. If he was, then he should be struck off. If he was not, then he shouldn't have been sentenced in the first place and should never have appeared for a tribunal. This sentence doesn't make any sense. He is in a halfway house. After his release in 1997, Diggle was determined to carry on with life as normal, and using his mini-celebrity, he put himself forward as a candidate for the parliamentary seat of Kensington and Chelsea, which was vacant at the time. Almost 150 other candidates put their names forward, and unfortunately for Diggle, his reputation had followed him, and he didn't make the shortlist. Incidentally, the nomination was initially won by Nicholas Scott, but following allegations of alcoholism, he was found face down, very drunk in a gutter in a Bournemouth street, he was deselected. The nomination was subsequently secured by Alan Clark. And If you haven't read his diaries, I strongly suggest that you do, even if you aren't interested in politics. Clark was elected, but he died of brain cancer in 1999, after just two years in office. So back to Angus Diggle. On November 26th, 1998, on a Sunday afternoon, Diggle was wandering around the red light area of Bolton after having drunk a lot of alcohol. Two police officers were patrolling the area and were speaking with a man and woman about why they were in the area, suspecting the woman to be a sex worker when Diggle approached. Diggle demanded to know what was going on and he was politely told it was a police matter and none of his business. But Diggle continued in that superior and arrogant way that he had about him. He was argumentative with the police officers, all the while slurring his speech and staggering around the pavement. The officers asked Diggle to move along and suggested he go home, but that didn't fit well with Diggle and he started ranting. Do you know who I am? I'm a famous person. When asked by the police who exactly he was, he said, I'm not telling you. He then started saying, The criminal justice system and the Home Secretary in this country are slime and so are you. It was Jack Straw, by the way, at the time. The police warned Diggle to be quiet and go home several more times before they gave up and arrested him with Diggle saying one last time, You are just filthy slime. You know you can't arrest me. You can't do this, you slime. I want your name. I'm going to complain. When he was handcuffed, Diggle exclaimed, Take your filthy hands off me. He kept going on and on in the police van the whole way to the station about how he was going to complain and demanding to know the name of the chief constable, blah, blah, blah. No doubt those of you who are police officers or similar fully recognise people like this. At Bolton Magistrates Court denying being drunk and disorderly, Diggle claimed that on the day in question he had gone to the gym, then drunk about four or five glasses of wine for Sunday lunch. He then had had a nap for an hour before he'd come across the police and the two individuals in Glebe Street on his way to the train station to catch a train to Manchester. When asked about his line of work, he told the court he was a solicitor but had not been practising of late. He said he was trying to offer the two individuals being questioned by police some legal advice based on his own recent experiences, saying that evidence had been falsified against him and the same might happen to them. He also denied calling the police slime. He said in court, I did not struggle or swear, I was not drunk, I was very tired and emotional, but I was totally in control. The magistrate disagreed and Digger was found guilty, fined £75 and ordered to pay £125 in costs. After this, Diggle was struck off as a solicitor. The Law Society Disciplinary Tribunal decided that Diggle had brought the profession into disrepute. And after this case, Diggle started to deteriorate further and his relationship with alcohol became increasingly unhealthy, which resulted in him being in and out of court for being drunk and disorderly a number of times. In 2010, Diggle, who was now 54, was devastated following the death of his beloved mum, Mabel, 83, from sepsis, after a battle with dementia. The pair had still lived together at her death. Shortly afterwards, he was arrested for urinating in the street, close to a family walking along the road in the red-light district of Bolton, and he swore at the officer who arrested him. Only a month later, he was arrested again in Manchester at Piccadilly Railway Station, after he racially abused a black passenger at the station while squigging on a can of cheap lager. In court, his solicitor in mitigation stated that Diggle had been overcome with grief over the death of his mum. After a few more incidents, police requested an antisocial behavioural order from the courts, so Diggle wound up with an ASBO, with court orders not to enter any pubs and clubs in Bolton for two years. He was to stay away from any network rail premises and public transport services if he had been drinking. He was, however, still allowed to frequent restaurants. Local police had rightly had enough of being constantly called to come and sort his behaviour out, with him now having racked up nine convictions of being drunk and disorderly. So Diggle also had a curfew put upon him at night. He was threatened with five years in prison if he breached his ASBO. When he'd gone to prison for attempted rape, one of his neighbours had spoken to the media at the time and described Diggle as a self contained young man, charming to talk to and courteous. But now he had a very different view, saying, The scandal left him ruined and he's never recovered from it. People said at the time that his name would be a byword for shame and they were right. The name Angus Diggle will always be associated with the drunken man trying to get his wicked way of a woman. He's obviously been very bitter about what happened to him. He's very well spoken all his family are. Despite what happened, he's always immaculately dressed even now. It's just he is rather a loner. Although Diggle complied with his ASBO, his behaviour didn't improve. In August 2011, he arranged for G4S to come and install security equipment at his house. The engineer immediately did not feel entirely safe with Diggle when he arrived, with Diggle immediately being anxious and aggressive so the engineer took the decision to leave before even entering the house. Diggle took offence at this. He lunged at him, grabbing hold of the engineer's arm. The engineer released himself and began to walk away, but Diggle followed once more ranting and raving. The engineer was so concerned he even pressed his emergency panic button. Later in court, Diggle stated that he didn't know someone was at his front door and it had been a shock for him. He also claimed he'd not lunged at the engineer and would not have been able to anyway. He denied being abusive but once again the bench didn't agree and he was convicted of common assault by battery, having to pay £50 compensation to the engineer and the £50 court costs. And in 2012 Diggle was back before Bolton Magistrates Court. And it wasn't long after this that Diggle found social media and he started ranting on Twitter instead of out on the streets of Bolton. If you look at them now, they're pretty sad to read, I think. In 2017, Diggle spent an hour on flame Christian radio. The topic was meant to be about keeping the Christian faith when his mum got dementia and died, but Diggle spent time talking around various other things, continually repeating that he was a trained lawyer in the Supreme Court. He stated at one point he could be a psychiatrist or psychologist, as it looked so easy compared to being in law. He continually stated that as a faithful Christian, he always looked for truth. Angus Julian Mackay Diggle died on the 23rd of November 2019, aged 63, still in his hometown of Bolton. So what Jamaica? you make of what we've heard today? And what do you make of Angus Diggle? I think we can certainly describe him as arrogant and he had social issues but his attitude towards women is hard for us to understand. Especially the comment that as he had spent £200 on his partner at the ball he felt he was entitled to have sex with her. That's still hard to listen to, isn't it? And the support from certain papers and columnists is beyond disappointing. I'm no expert here, of course, but I hope that our understanding of so-called date rape has now evolved to the extent that we expect anyone carrying out a similar crime to receive a very long stretch in prison. And for Angus Diggle, this attack was the defining point of his life. From this point on, it was all downhill. Certainly towards the end of his life, he was quite a sad, pitiful man who'd been ravaged by the excesses of alcohol. But even then, is he someone for whom we can feel any sympathy? I've tried but I'm really not so sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please head to the Facebook group. To buy your ticket for the Serial Killers Talk on the 25th of June, please pop over to UKTrueCrime.com and to support the show, listen to 43 bonus episodes, watch a live recording of this show, see all the stats, get all the background information and discounts on all tickets, please just head to patreon.com slash UK True Crime. Well, by the next time we speak, the mighty Leeds United will be back in action as we complete the formality of the last nine games on our return to the Premier League. What could possibly go wrong? On that optimistic note, thanks again for listening to the 37th most popular true crime podcast in the UK. Take it easy out there in the QUIT Primark. No, I don't get it either. And most of all, stay classy.
0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.